Well, you can go ahead if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That'll be a place we'll get to in just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Great stuff. And uh, uh, we're continuing our study, our new study. This is new, first time we've ever taught this one. Twelve biblical truths that every Christian must understand. And we're looking at a number of places where we see these truths. Our goal is this, that we would know that we would know these key biblical truths and then be able to communicate these truths to others. That's the key. Know them and be able to pass them on, that kind of thing. And uh, so it's really powerful. We realize that as Christians, that there's a lot of people who don't understand the basic things. Here's what we looked at in our study so far. We started just the idea of dealing with salvation and we saw the story of the Bible. That was really lesson two, the, the reconciliation. God, perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son Jesus Christ. We then had a lesson called being saved three times. We looked at God's salvation plan, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Then we looked at eternal life or temporary life, and we talked about the security and assurance and knowing that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, and you can know that you have eternal life. Then we started truths dealing with the Christian life, and that was the last lesson in which we looked at the two greats, dealing with loving and equipping, loving God and loving others. That's the great commandment, and then the great commission was equipping believers, was leading people to Christ and training them and equipping them. So that's where we are. And we're now moved into the next lesson. This one is called, Why Do We Run the Race? And it's going to deal with rewards. And let me ask you a question. When you, the bottom line is one day, every one of us in this room, each one of us will stand before Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with rewards. And this lesson, Why Do We Run the Race, deals with reward. What do you want to hear him say when you stand before him one day? Well done, good and faithful servant. So we're going to talk about it. We know that when you believe in Jesus, the moment you believe, you get eternal life. Eternal life is life forever with Jesus Christ. Sometimes talk about, people say, how, how do we, you know, being with Jesus? Well, really, two aspects or two ways to be with Jesus. Uh, uh, one is that we die to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Second Corinthians 5, 8, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. There's a second way, and that is he's going to come one of these days. We meet the Lord in the air. Jesus comes to get the church. First Thessalonians 4, he says, well, the Lord will descend with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain to be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. So that's we'll always be with the Lord. And so that's the two aspects. And we say, gosh, we want to be with Jesus forever. Well, you know, you think about it. One of these days, and, and I think we've put this up before, there's, there, there's going to be a kingdom. And what's going to happen in the kingdom? What will you do in the kingdom? It's a thousand-year reign of Christ. Then there's a judgment, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there's an eternal state. And then what will you do in the eternal state? And the bottom line is we will serve him. That's what we're going to do. But what's the basis for our service? The bottom line is rewards. Now, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. That one right there? Yeah, Second Corinthians 5, 8. That's a great passage. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I love that, especially when someone passes away that knows the Lord. To be absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. And the way the Greek is written there, it actually means face-to-face. And I think that the idea is that when you die, what you see is the face of, of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Got it? Did you get it? Okay. And so, uh, meet the Lord in the air, First Thessalonians. You don't have to write all the verse down, but just you can write the thing. Okay, so with that in mind, 
Let's talk about rewards. And when we talk about rewards, there are a lot of myths. There are a lot of things that people talk about, and they say things like, oh, rewards, rewards. Let me give you some issues. Here's what, here's what some people say about rewards. They say that heaven is the reward. That when you live right, when you do what's right, you get to go to heaven. That's the reward. That's what some people say. Some people say heaven's reward. Other people say that seeking rewards is selfish. Now, are rewards for you? So somebody would say, well, I I don't want rewards. I've had people say to me, oh, I don't care about serving for God because I don't want to have to, I don't want rewards. I think that's selfish. Well, the third issue, and sometimes people say, is that everybody's the same. Have you ever thought about it? I've had people say to me, you know, when you get to heaven, everybody's going to be there like holding hands and going back and forth, and we're we're all the same. And, and, And so let me give you some answers to that, okay? Number one is heaven is not a reward. Heaven is a gift. To have eternal life and to be with Jesus Christ is not a reward for how you live or what you do. Salvation is not by works, but it's by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So heaven's not a reward. Heaven is a gift given to us by faith in Christ. Second, getting rewards is not selfish. Why? Because we're going to look in a minute. We're at, sec- uh, we're at 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to see that God actually tells believers to go after rewards. To seek rewards. He, it's not selfish. It's what he wants us to do. It's being obedient. And the third thing, in heaven, we are not all the same. This may surprise some people because I've had people say things like, you know, when you get to heaven, everybody's the same and we're all just happy and everything. No, listen, you, the thousand-year reign of Christ, you're going to have different responsibilities based on your service. The eternal state, when you live forever with Jesus Christ, you're going to have different places of responsibility based on your service for Jesus Christ. So here's the point. How you live now as a believer has bearings on how you serve during the millennial kingdom and how you'll serve Jesus Christ for all eternity. I know that's different than a lot of people teach, but that's exactly what the Bible teaches. And it talks about that if you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, it says, what will we do? It says, we will serve him forever. Okay? What's the basis for your service? What's going to be the basis is going to be the idea of rewards. And so we're going to see that as we go through it. Let me give you the outline of our study. Once again, if you have a question, comment, anything, just stop me, okay? If I go too fast or it's not, I don't explain it or we just need to talk more about it, be sure and do that. Here's the outline. You don't have to write the outline down. We're going to go through it uh, as we go through the study. But we're going to look at understanding rewards. Then we're going to see the charge to get rewards. Then we're going to see this accounting concerning rewards. Then the place of rewards, the basis of rewards, and then what are the rewards? And we'll see how that ties together. So let's start with understanding rewards. Believe it, many believers are confused about rewards. We will all stand before Jesus Christ. How do we get rewards? What are the rewards? Should we seek the rewards? Yes, we will stand before Christ. Let me remind you of a great truth. Rewards are not dealing with salvation but dealing with our Christian life, our works, our service for Christ. You remember in the very the second lesson we talked about there's justification, sanctification, and glorification. And justification is when you believe in Jesus Christ and you have the eternal life. Sanctification is your Christian life, and glorification is the future when you're with Jesus Christ. The, the issue of rewards is not dealing with this at all. This comes by faith. This is your Christian life. This is your service. This is how you live. This is what you do. And that ultimately will be the rewards when you stand before your Savior in the future. So we'll we'll look at more of that in just a minute and how that ties together. Our service 
is not the basis of eternal life, although throughout history, most Christians and most denominations have had works for salvation. I know that sounds strange. Probably most, many of you maybe grew up with uh, churches maybe that didn't do that, that they said salvation was a gift and by faith and you were saved and saved forever. But a lot of people grow up with churches saying you have to be baptized, you have to walk down an aisle, you have to give your life to Jesus, you have to be willing to do the following things. You have to turn away from your sins. You have to do all of those kind of things. And so rewards are not dealing with salvation in any shape or form. Um, we'll be rewarded for service. By the way, if, you, if we have served, we'll be rewarded. If you have not served, you will not be rewarded. And we'll talk more about that. Salvation deals with our eternal destiny. Discipleship deals with our Christian life. Now, we talked about this a while ago. In fact, when we went over the test, that question about discipleship and salvation, let me remind you, salvation is a gift. costs us absolutely nothing. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of works. It is the gift. It is the gift of eternal life. Discipleship costs us our lives. We offer our lives. We take up our cross. We die to self. It's works and rewards. Uh, let me just show you something. Jesus gave two different messages. For eternal life, he said, whoever believes will never perish but have eternal life. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He told Nicodemus, whoever believes has eternal life. God did not send the Son of the world to condemn the world, but the world will be saved through him. Who, who believes is not condemned. So Jesus gave a message that eternal life comes by faith. He also gave a message that says that if you not take up your cross and die to yourself, you cannot be my disciple that's different than to have eternal life so you have two messages jesus gave a message of eternal life which was simply by faith he gave a message of dying to yourself and living for him that was discipleship it's the same paul did exactly the same thing paul says by grace you're saved through faith and then he says in romans 12 offer your life as a living sacrifice one is for salvation, one is for discipleship. So I hope you get that. That is, that is huge. It's a huge truth. And most Christians don't understand that. I, I don't mean in a bad way, but they don't. And you can talk to people, talk to people every day, ask them questions. Ask them what they think a person has to do to have eternal life. Ask them. See what they say. You'll be surprised at the answers. Because you may think everybody believes the same thing as you do. You may think that everybody will say, oh, it's just faith alone and Christ alone. No. We'll talk about it. Okay, let's get the charge to get rewards. Does God want us to be rewarded? Do we want to hear him say, well done? The answer is yes. God tells us to get rewards. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where everybody is. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and let's see what we see in verses 24 through 27. Paul is encouraging the believers to get rewards, to run the race to get the rewards. Look what he says in verse 24. He said, do you not know? that all who run in a race all run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. In the Christian life, every believer can get the prize. You're not, in the Christian life, you're not running against other people. You're running really against yourself. Run the race so you can get the prize. He was reminding them of something. The Corinthians, there was a, there was a thing called the Isthmus Games. Sort of like modern, more like the modern-day Olympic Games. There was a thing called the Isthmus Games at the time that Paul lived. <coughs> In, the, in, you know, 50, 52, 55, 57 A.D. And they had the Isthmus Games. They were every three years. And if you wanted to be in the Isthmus Games, usually from a city, from a city or a community, they picked out an athlete to get to go to the Games. And, and then they had to train. And they had to train for a year. 
And then for the last part of the training, all of the athletes that were going to compete in the Isthmus Games actually came together, stayed in the same place, and all trained together. Now, they had to get up at a certain time. They had to go to bed at a certain time. They had to eat certain foods. They had to practice at certain times. And guess what? If one of them failed to do any of that, they were disqualified from the games and had to go home. If you won a game, if you won something, they gave you a little wreath, and it, you, you would come back to your town, and you were a hero. And in some places, they actually built a, like if you had a wall around the city, they put a new gate into the city and named it after you. That's what they would do. He's reminding them this. He says, don't you know that all who run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may win the prize. He says, run so you can get the prize. In the Christian life, this is 9.23, in the race of the Christian life, everybody can get the prize. Because you're not racing against everybody else. You're racing against yourself, so to speak. Look what he goes on to say. This is pretty powerful. He says, everyone who competes in the games, what games? the Isthmus Games, exercises self-control. What if they didn't exercise self-control? They're out. Watch what he says. They exercise self-control in all things. They do it so they can receive a what? A perishable wreath. He says, but we get a what kind of wreath? Imperishable. We're going to get a crown. and It's an imperishable one. It doesn't wear out. Now watch what he goes on to say. In fact, so he's giving this example from the Olympic Games, and he says, therefore, he says, everyone competes, exercises self-control. They do it. They run hard. They discipline themselves. There's a Greek word there, agonizomai. Agonizomai, we get the word agony from it or agonize from it. And this is the word to strive for the reward. It was hard. It was hard. Let me ask you a question. Is running the race of the Christian life easier or hard? We live in a fallen world. It's hard. you got a pull, natural pull. We talk, if you were in church Sunday morning, did we talk about the flesh and the pull between the flesh and the spirit and the battle that's going on? It is not easy. And so these people are all trained. And so Paul says, everybody who competed in the games exercised self-control. Self-control probably the hardest thing, isn't it? I've heard people say, ah, did you, why do you, ah, I couldn't get up. You couldn't get up? You couldn't make yourself get up? No, I couldn't get up. How come you, you weigh 700 pounds? Well, I can't stop eating. Well, you know what? Well, we don't have self-control, right? If you're going to run the race of the Christian life, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to have self-control. Look what he says. I love how Paul writes because he's, he's just amazing. By the way, he said it that they get a perishable wreath, but we get this imperishable wreath. And therefore, Paul says, Therefore, I run in such a way it's not without aim. I know exactly what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm doing. I box in such a way as not beating the air. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm running this race. I'm trying to live it. I have a plan. He's living for the Lord. And do you have a plan? Do you study the Bible? Do you share your faith? Do you, I mean, do you go to church? What, do you, what are your plans? What, what, do you discipline yourself? Watch how Paul ends. And by the way, what would be some things to do? Well, think about this. Do we know and apply the Bible? Are we obeying the Word? Are we making disciples? Are we evangelizing and training? Are we, are we using our gifts? Those are all the plans that we would use as believers as we're going to live for Jesus Christ. But I like how he ends this, and it's kind of scary, okay? Sort of scary. Look what he says. But I, this is verse 27, I discipline my body and I make it my slave. And meaning he's saying, listen, I, 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 did, I had a friend that he would take a shower in cold water. 
And I'm, I'm not doing that. But he does. And I said, why do you do that? He said, I'm going to pro- prove to my body that I, don't, I can make myself do what I have to do. He was a Marine too, by the way. He was a great one. But anyway, he says, I discipline my body. I make myself so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified. That means disapproved. That means kicked out of the game. So that's nothing. We're not talking about salvation. He's saying, I'm going to live in such a way that I will gain rewards, that I'll get the wreath, that I won't be disqualified and have to go home. And that, and because let me just say something in a nice way. There are going to be a lot of Christians not getting anything. You know, there are Christians who, when, well, I say not getting anything. I think, I think everybody sometimes in their life as a believer does something good and does some good things. And I think when you st- he'll never forget even a cup of cold water. So I think you, that everybody's going to get some kind of rewards. But there are going to be people, as First John says, who will be ashamed at his coming because they'll say, I didn't do anything. I should have, but I didn't. And Paul says, I'm, I'm disciplining myself so I can do the right thing. He says, I keep my body under control. I do what's right. So we don't want to be, the, the Greek word is adakimos, which means disqualified. So Paul says, listen, everybody is in the race. Everybody's in the games. You need to run so you get the prize. And the only way you're going to get the prize is you discipline yourself to do what God has for you to do. Live your life so that you can get an imperishable wreath. Okay, having that plan, that's, that's what he wants. And so 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. the key is to buffet or buffet our bodies, you know. Yeah, go back. What did you say? Huh? That's Second Corinthians. Is it 2 Corinthians? It's supposed to be 1 Corinthians. Thank you for telling me that. Um, I need to mark it so I, we can go get it changed. The paper's right. It's just on the, it's on the thing. Okay. Slide. This is very scientific. Okay. <laughs> this is when you teach it, when we do it the first time, there's going to be all kinds of mistakes. If you see anything in the handout that's wrong, just tell me, mark it, bring it to me because we got to change it, you know, because we'll do this again someday. Maybe when I'm 90, we'll uh, do this again. But who knows? Second Corinthians, First Corinthians 9, 27, buffet. All right, don't buffet your body. Buffet your body, okay? So God wants us to live so that we can get rewards. Look at this. this you're going to love these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, writing to believers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You're going to be rewarded when you serve God. When you live for Him, you're going to be rewarded. Look at these words. You don't have to write down everything, but look at the words here. He says, be steadfast. The word steadfast has that idea of just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Don't stop. Just, you know, we have a world of starters but not finishers. People all the time, people all the time start something and then they don't finish it. And he's saying, start it and finish it. Just keep on going. He says be unmoving or immovable, but the word immoving there means don't get off the track. Don't get off the track. I have, let me just, I'm going to say something, but it's so easy to start out good and then move away. In fact, that's what most things do. Most schools start out good and they move away. Most seminaries start out good, they move away. Many churches start out good and they move away. Listen, there are churches that started out believing the grace message, and 50 years later, they don't hold to that at all. There are seminaries that started out holding to the Bible, and 50 years later, they don't believe anything anymore. There are churches that did the same thing. This just over and over. In fact, that's a pattern. The pattern is things tend to move from 
conservative to liberal, you know, to move the other way. He says, be unmoving. Don't let anything get you off track. And then he says, abounding in the work of the Lord. The word abounding there means overflowing. It's like you're pouring water into a glass and you forget and you pour too much and it starts pouring out. This is what it says. He says, be abounding in the work of the Lord. Why is that? Because it's not in vain. There will be rewards. Let me ask you a question. What do you want when you stand before him? We started the very first of the study. What do you want when you stand before Jesus Christ? You want to hear him say, well done. You want rewards. You want to get the wreath. You want to get the crown. You want to hear him say, I have a place of responsibility for you. That's what we want. And, 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 and so run the race to do what? Get the prize. He wants us to do that. Look at Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. In due time, the right time, we will reap. Reap is reward for service. So sometimes we, you do things. Sometimes you help people. Sometimes, you know, you ever, you ever help somebody and they don't even thank you? And have you ever tried to help, you know? And, and so sometimes you say, gosh, uh, uh, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. You're serving Jesus Christ. You're serving out of what? Love. Okay? You're serving out of love. Okay, with that in mind, let's go to the accounting the accounting concerning rewards. I mean, why do we run the race? We're going to run the race with endurance. There's this principle. Look at this principle right here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever you put in, you what? Get out. Listen, there's truth. If you don't put in anything, you get out nothing. If you put in bad stuff, you get out bad stuff. If you do good things, you get good back. If you serve Jesus Christ, you get rewarded. How we live now affects our future. This is something that a lot of people do not grasp. And let me put this up real quickly. just for We know that Jesus died and rose again, and this is the church age. This is us. We know one of these days we're going to be taken out, and then there's going to be a tribulation, and then Jesus is coming back and set up a kingdom, and then... There'll be a great white throne judgment. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then there'll be the eternal state. How we live now, our service for God, when he raptures us out and we get rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, when we come back here and he sets up this kingdom, this is where you're going to serve based on your rewards and based on your service and rewards. And then as you get into the eternal state, that's Revelation chapters 21 and 22, you know, 21 and 22, when you st- damn before, you're going to serve him, it's all going to be based on this. So a lot of people do not realize that what you do with your life now is not the basis for eternal life salvation. That's a gift. What you do with your life now is going to be dealing with the rewards and the service that you have for Jesus Christ for all eternity. Look at this right here. There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He's saying that Jesus Christ knows it all. One of these days you're going to stand before him and we're going to either be ashamed at his coming or he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, it's going to be a special time. This is one of my favorite verses coming up. You look at this one right here. This is Romans 14, 11, 12. It says, for it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Everybody's going to bow, both believers and unbelievers, by the way. And every tongue will give praise to God. Everybody. So then, each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, from the believer end of it, you're going to stand. I'm going to, we're going to talk more about this later. But there's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us are going to stand before that. 
All of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior. So we, we see that aspect, the accounting, the fact that there's going to be a time that you stand before Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the place. The place of rewards, and this is this is what uh, where I've been talking about. We're gonna we're gonna get rewarded, and we will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now I'm gonna. This is not writing very well. I don't know if this one writes darker or not. Let's see. Not very good. There's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand there. 2 Corinthians 5.10. I want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5.10. You're in 1 Corinthians. Just turn to the next book of the Bible. To 2 Corinthians. And turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And you actually want to see the verses. Let's see how this fits together. Second Corinthians 5.10. Therefore, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I'm going to go into more details on this in a minute. But the word for judgment, when you see judgment, almost everybody, when you see the word judgment, it sounds bad, like judgment. But the word judgment is bema, B-E-M-A. That's a Greek word, and it means rewarding. It has the idea of a stand, a seat, in which there's rewards. You remember when we said about when the, when the guy would come back from the Olympics or from the Isthmus Games and he did something good? Or when an army went off to fight and they won a battle and they came back, the king of the city, because they were city-states in those days, he would sit on what's known as the Bema Seat. And as the general came through and the soldiers came through, he rewarded them. He gave them rewards for winning the victory. When the guy came back from the Isthmus Games and came back to the city, they sat on the Bema seat and they gave them rewards. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to be sitting on the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, and that's the reward seat. And you're going to stand before him and he's going to reward you. And that's why 2 Corinthians says this is why it is so important. There are two actual places which I mentioned earlier. And let me just show you this on this chart. This is us. And we, you know, we die, Jesus Christ comes and gets us. And nobody knows for sure exactly when the judgment seat of Christ is. I put it up there. There is another one coming. We'll talk about that in a minute. But most believe that the moment you die and you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Some believe that the moment you die and you're present with the Lord, you will stand before him and he will reward you. There's another view that says that at the rapture, when all of the church, all of the old, they're all taken up to be with Jesus Christ, then that's when he rewards everybody. There's a third view, even, that when Jesus comes back and sets up the kingdom, if you read the book of Daniel... <laughs> There is a time period of 45 days that he just says something, 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 these 45 days. Nobody knows what it's for. Some people believe that'll be where the judgment seat of Christ is. I, I hold, I sort of hold to the kind of a combination. I just think that maybe when you die and you, you get to be with Jesus, maybe he'll reward you right then. Or it could all be at one time. Now, let me just say something about rewards. And when you stand before Jesus Christ, let's just picture this room. Let's say that all of us are going to stand before Jesus Christ, right? right? Do you think when you get there, it's going to be like Jesus sitting here in this line of people? 
you know, and Keontae's in front of me and I can't see. And so I'm saying, what, when, are we, when, is, when am I going to get up there? What's going on? You can't see anything. No, it won't be like that at all. You know what I think is going to happen? I think you'll stand before Jesus Christ. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, let's go back. And you'll go, what, what about everybody else? He said, I already did them. He did them all at one time. See, he's God, right? He didn't have a line, right? Do you think he's going to be a line? And you're going, oh, I hope I get it today. I mean, you know, you know nah. so, so one of these days, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'll, we'll go on more detail in a minute. But it says we'll stand before the judgment of Christ to be recompensed. That means rewarded for the things that we've done. And we'll go more details uh, on that in just a little bit, okay? So that's the place of rewards. There are two judgments mentioned in the Bible. One is called the Great White Throne Judgment. I drew it up here a while ago. There's Jesus dying, rising again. Here's the church age. Here's the rapture. Here's the tribulation. Here's the second coming of Christ. Here's the thousand-year reign of Christ. At the end of that is the Great White Throne Judgment. Most believe that the Great White Throne Judgment is dealing with unbelievers. It's Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And what it, it, here, let me just give it to you. At the bottom line, they, the unbelievers come before Jesus Christ, and the books are opened, and the books are deeds. And then their other book opened, which is called the Book of Life. It says, anyone's name not found written in the Book of Life is cast where? In the lake of fire. I want you to understand something that a lot of people don't grasp. Human beings never stand before Jesus Christ for sin, either believers or unbelievers. I've had people say, you know, you go to hell because your sins. No, you do not. Who paid for all sin? Did he pay for every sin, past, present, and future? Yes. So all sin is what he paid for. He says, he that believes is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, people don't go to hell because of their sin. Because Jesus already paid for every sin. People go to hell because they have not believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It is that simple. And so when, you, when the unbelievers at the great white throne judgment stands before Christ, it's not for their sin. It's, and he says he opens the book of life and their names aren't found in the book of life. How do you get your name in the book of life? By faith, they didn't believe, they cast a lake of fire. When we stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, is it for salvation? Is it for sin? It's for rewards. So remember that. That changes so much when you think about it. All right, let's talk about the basis. Let me look into the time. Let's talk about, uh, that's the great white throne. Unbelievers at the end of the kingdom stand before Christ. If, not, if they're not found in the book of life, they'll be cast a lake of fire. Judgment seat of Christ, believers get rewards. Let's talk about the basis of rewards and it comes down to a great great truth and that is rewards are based on our service and first corinthians 4 2 we'll see it in just a minute but it's required of stewards to be what faithful it's required of stewards to be faithful when you stand before jesus christ it's not going to be let me say something you'll get this this one it's not going to be how long you served it's not going to be what spiritual gift you had it's going to be, were you faithful to do what God had for you to do? Some spiritual gifts are up front. Guess what? Mine's up front. My gift's out front. You see me do my gift. I, I teach, right? Some of you have gifts that are behind the scenes. Some of you have gift of helps, and you do things, and nobody even sees it. 
It's just as important and will be just as rewarded. And when you stand before Jesus Christ, if you're faithful to use your gift, he'll say, well done. If I'm faithful to use my gift, he'll say, well done. It has nothing to do whether it's out front, whether it's a famous gift or a non-famous gift. It doesn't make any difference. In fact, it's not even how long you serve. I'll show you something that you might not have ever seen. So it's required of stewards to be what? Found faithful. Found faithful. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. You may have studied this before or read it before, and it really kind of puzzled you. And you thought, what is this parable about? So here's a parable. It's in Matthew chapter 20, and Jesus goes to hire people. Let's look at it together. Matthew 20, verse 1. He says, for the kingdom of heaven, basically being in the kingdom of heaven, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. Now, that's what they do. Sometimes a guy needed people to help him pick his, his, you know, vines and things. So he would go to the CD and say, anybody want to work today? And they'd say, I will. And he says, I'll pay you a denarius. He'll pay you a day's wage. Watch what he said. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner went out early in the morning to hire laborers for vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them to his vineyard. Now, a denarius was a day's wage. So it, let's just say a day's wage was $10. I'm just making that up. He said, anybody want to work? I'll pay you all 10 bucks. Yeah, we'll do it. So they go work. Then look what happens. He went out about the third hour. That's now 9 o'clock in the morning. He originally went about 6, very early. Who really wanted to work? Those guys are out there already. He says, you need to work? Come work. He comes back at 9 o'clock in the morning. And notice what it says. He went about, uh, about the third hour, and he saw people idle in the marketplace. Guys just standing there. And he said to those guys, you'll also go into my vineyard, and I'll give you what is what? What does it say? He didn't say, I'll give you denarius, because a denarius is a what? A day's pay. This is now 9 o'clock in the morning. What did he say? I'll give you what is right. He said, trust me, I'll give you what is right. Then he goes back, and, and uh, he came again about the 6th hour, that's 12 o'clock, and he came about at the ninth hour, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. He'd go to people, and he'd say, you want to go work? And they'd go, yeah. He said, well, go on out there, I'll give you what's right. He came about the 11th hour. It's 5 o'clock in the evening. They only got about another hour to work. Some guys have been working since 6 that morning. It's now 5 o'clock in the evening. And he finds some people and he said to them, Why have you been standing here all day long? And they said, Because nobody hired us. He said, Go into the vineyard. Go into the vineyard. When evening came, and the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, He said, Call the laborers and pay them their wages. Start with the last group. Start with the people that only worked an hour. What do you think they're going to get? Well, I mean, uh, if, if it's $10 for the whole day, I mean, I might get a buck, right? Maybe, maybe. So look what he says. Call the laborers, pay the wages. When those hired about the 11th hour came, he gave each one of them a, what does it say? He gave them a day's pay. They went, mamma mia. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Okay, and so they left. And then look, it says, uh, then the hired, uh, then everybody else came, basically. It says, when the hired 11th hour came, they got his nearest. When the hired first came, what did they think? If he gave them a denarius, and they worked all, uh, for like one hour, and we worked all day, we probably going to get a lot more than a denarius. Look what it says. And... When the hired ones came first, they thought they might receive more, but each one of them got a denarius. 
And when they received it, they grumbled. And they said, wait a minute. These, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, and we bore the burden of the heat. And he said, friend, have I done you any wrong? Did you not agree to work with me for a denarius? And then he says, take what's yours and go, for I wish to give to the last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do whatever I want to? And then he goes on and says, so the last shall be first and the first will be last. Now, what is that parable about? Because it almost looks like everybody gets the same thing. And that's not what it's talking about. Some guy worked 12 hours, got a Daenerys because he was faithful. Some guy worked nine hours, he got, he got a Daenerys. Why? Because he was faithful. Some guy worked six hours, he got a Daenerys. Why? Because he was Faithful. When you stand before Jesus Christ, it's not going to be where you, did you get to serve God for 80 years and somebody else died when they were 12 and so you're going to have a lot more rewards. No. Were you faithful at 12? Were you faithful at 80? Were you faithful at 30? His point is, whatever time you work, be found faithful. Because think about this. Um, I had a Bible study. Years ago, Thursday morning guys, we've had it there for about 35 years. And about, about 25 years ago, a college guy, this was all men, but a college guy said, can I come to your Bible study? It met at 6.30 Thursday mornings. I said, sure. So he came and he came for the whole semester. And this guy was out of this world. He was so wonderful. And he served, you know, he helped in church and he helped on campus and he did all kinds of things. And as he graduated, he said, I have a job working at Disney World. And I said, man, that is so fantastic. And on the way to Disney World, he got killed in a car wreck. It almost makes me cry now. Because we thought, what a great life this guy's going to have. Guess what? He did have a great life. And he was faithful in the years that he had. And when he stands before Jesus Christ, what's he going to say? Well done. And if you're 80 years old and you've been faithful, he's going to say, well done. And if you live for 40 years and you've been faithful, he's going to say, what? Well done. It is not based on time that you serve. It's not based on gifts that you have. It is based on your faithfulness. That is the key. God rewards faithful service, not amount of times. It can't be on amount of times. Right? Because if God gives you 50 years and he gives somebody else 80 years, you could say, that's not right. Hey, i got something else. That, have you ever thought about this? We all say you have right now to serve and when you die, it's over, right? Let's say that you write a little book and talks about the salvation message. And you die when you're 60. And that book goes on and somebody... Five years after you die, reads that book and trust Christ. You get rewarded for that? You sure will. It's your ministry, isn't it? It's God using you, isn't it? Think about that. Just because you die doesn't mean that you're through serving God. In fact, the thousand years you'll serve Him, and the eternity you'll serve Him. Well, I've got to show you one other thing. Just, uh, let's turn back to 2 Corinthians, okay? 2 Corinthians 5. I may have to go faster. Maybe not. Maybe not. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 9. Look what it says. Therefore we have as our ambition, whether at home now or absent, being with him, is to please him. What's your plan? Whether you're here or with him, what's your goal? To please God. To please God. Why? Look what he goes on to say. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So let me show you something, and we're going to go have to go a little faster. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to appear before him, and this is written to believers. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there are going to be three aspects there, and I want you to see that. Three aspects, and you can write them in, and then we're going to give you a little bit more detail. So the three are, there's a necessity for counting. We're going to all appear. We must appear. There's going to be rewards. The whole purpose is rewards, and the Evaluation is going to be based on our deeds, our good works. Okay, that's one, two, three under Second Corinthians five ten. Okay, so here we go. You ready? You don't. You don't, listen. I'm, you're going to write them down as we go through them. Okay, too. All right. Here's number one. We must all stand. We're going to all appear. There is no one who says, can you go with me? Can you go with me? I, I would like to say, can I have Susie with me when I go? He's going to say, no, no, it's just going to be you. It's just us. It's each one. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It says, for each one, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one, every one of us, every one of us in this room, individually, you will stand before your Savior. Now this is not a bad this is not for this is not dealing with sin this is not dealing with salvation this is dealing with your service and this is dealing with rewards and this is hearing him say well done and so this is not supposed to be a bad time it's the rewarding stand so it's necessary that we all do it the purpose that we will all stand before him the purpose is rewards the purpose is rewards. And so you write that in. Notice I have under that, what about sin? And I mentioned it a while ago, First John 2, 2. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. He's already paid for all sin. Let me ask you a question. You have a record book. On your record book, it says, that's my record book. It says, J.B. Sins. How many sins are on my record book? How many sins? Absolutely None. Why? Where are they? He's already taken far as the east is to the west. He's already removed the sin debt. Let me ask you a question. What about the sins I'm going to do tomorrow? They're already paid for. already gone. Listen, he is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So when we stand before him, it has to do with rewards. It doesn't have anything to do with sin. And the third part is the method is based on our works, our good works. Look at this passage. He says, for we must all, this is verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed. The word recompense means given back. It means rewarded for the deeds in his body. The word deeds means works according to what he's done, whether good, and it says, my Bible says good or bad, but the word for bad there means worthless. And so some of the things we do, if it's not in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's worthless. If it is in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be rewarded. So the method is one of these days, it's our works. So let me ask you a question. Stop for one second. How are your works? 
And we're not talking about doing good works in your power. We're talking about doing good works in God's power through you, using the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given you. One of these days, that's going to be your evaluation. That's going to be my evaluation when we stand before our Savior. And is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? I have for you there in a second. Uh, let's see. If we live in the power of the Holy Spirit serving God, we'll be rewarded. If not, there'll be no rewards. Now, let me just say this. I, as I said earlier, I think that every believer is going to get some kind of rewards. They may not all have great places of service because rewards are not just a, like a piece of candy. Rewards are going to be places of service in the kingdom and in the eternal state. That's what you've got to understand that. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here are the ten cities for you. He's talking about places of responsibility. Okay? So we'll, we'll do that. I don't want you to have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, he actually says that our works will be tested by fire. And if it's gold, silver, and precious stone, that means it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will remain. If it's wood, hay, or straw, that means it's done in the flesh or, or just, you know, the wrong attitude, wrong motive, it'll be burned up and you won't be rewarded. So it's going to be revealed by fire. So I got there tested by fire. And let me go quickly this last part. Huh? Oh, it is? It's second. Wait a minute. It's supposed to be. Let me make sure I'm right there. Wait a minute. Is it second Corinthians? It, it is first. Okay, but the paper has second. Okay, cha y'all change that for me. My notes, just to make me feel better, I think have first Corinthians. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's talk about rewards. What do you want to get? What do you want to get? Rewards. Okay. How do we get them? What are the rewards? Well, there's three things that we see in the Scripture that deal with the rewards, okay? The first one is called crowns, okay? They talk about crowns, and there's two words for crown. There's a word diadem, which means like a crown that a king would wear, and there's a Greek word called stephanos, which means like a reward. It's like the wreath that you get on your head when you ran the race. Now, we all want to get stephanos, Okay? Because that's the rewards, that's the crowns that he gives for us. He says, run the race so that you may get the prize. He back up earlier said, we get an incorruptible wreath. We get a Stephanos. That's what we want. There's a second aspect for rewards, and it's called treasure. And if you remember, he says, lay up treasure in heaven. In, first, in, you know, in Matthew, he says, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy but where, and where thieves break in. Don't, don't do that. Don't lay it up on the earth. But lay up, as he goes on to say, but lay, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. So another aspect of rewards is actually called treasure in heaven. So crowns and treasure in heaven and then the third one, now this is the one that a lot of people don't grasp, and that is ruling with Christ. Ruling with Christ. And this says, Revelation 3.21 says, He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. Now, you understand something, that when Jesus Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom... On this earth, and I'm going to draw it up this way. 
Here's the thousand-year reign of Christ right there. He's coming back and setting up the kingdom, and he's going to rule in Jerusalem as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the promised one. He is the greater son of David, which we've been seeing on Sunday morning. He's going to rule in righteousness and justice. He will rule the world. Where will you live? What will you rule? What part of this world? He may say to you, I want you to go to this part of the world and you rule it. He may say, you will rule in Oklahoma. You will rule in Mississippi. You will rule. You're going to rule. And he says, this is, this is authority to rule. And a lot of people don't understand that. Now let me tell you something else. And we've talked about this before. The Bible uses a term in the book of Hebrews called metakoi. And it means partners. And he says, faithful believers are called partners with Christ. If you're a partner with Christ, you're going to get to rule with him. If you're not a partner with Christ, you won't rule. So he says, these are rewards. I grant him to sit down with me on my throne. So you're going to get crowns. You're going to have treasure in heaven. And you're going to have rewards. In Revelation, to overcome is based on service. That's why, by the way, when you study the book of Revelation, and it keeps saying, he who overcomes, an overcomer is a faithful believer. Not talking about salvation. Look at this right here. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing, be in authority over ten cities. There's going to come a day when you'll have an opportunity based on your service to rule for, with Jesus Christ. To rule with Jesus Christ. So, and let me tell you, the, the, you, want, you write these verses down. I don't think I have them on your deal, do I? Revelation 22, verse 3 and verse 5 basically say, We will serve Him forever. I've had people actually say to me, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. I said, well, first of all, you won't be in heaven. You'll be on a new heavens and a new earth. But I've heard them say, because we won't be doing anything. I said, who told you you won't be doing anything? I mean, you have this, people have this idea that, that when you die, you go up in the clouds and you sort there and eat a candy bar and just kind of float around. And, and you say, boy, you know, after a while, I'd get bored of doing this. Well, you would. But that's not what eternity is. Eternity is on a new heavens and a new earth and a new city, New Jerusalem. And it'll be a new world. And you will serve God forever. That's what it's all about. That's what he says. Now, let's talk about crowns. I've got it right here. I'm going to give you the four crowns very quickly, okay? Four crowns. The Greek word is stephanos. Okay, here's number one. The first crown is called the crown of joy. Crown of joy. The Bible actually calls it that. It's in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. You get that reward when you lead people to Christ. That's what it's about. You lead people to Christ. So, in your life... Have you ever talked to someone and they believed in Christ for eternal life? If so, you've got a reward right there. Okay? Tell me when you got it down. Let me, I think I've got another verse. Let me give you this verse. Yeah, Philippians. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, so that I stand firm in the Lord. These are the people in Philippi that he led to Christ. And he calls them his crown. Because he's going to get rewarded for that. Okay? There's a second one. You ready for the second one? There's one called the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. It's where Paul said, I have fought the fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Laid up for me is a crown of righteousness. You get this reward when you've been faithful to keep on keeping on living for God. We all want that crown. We want to hear him say, well done. 
fought the fight, kept the faith. Okay, you ready for the next one? Okay, third one. It's called the crown of life. It's in James chapter 1, verse 12. And it's when you, it's a reward you get when you endure under trials, when you trust God in the trials of life. Every one of us have trials. When you trust God during the trials, He's going to give you rewards. And here, are you ready for the last one? Uh, yeah, I got it. Okay. All right. Here's number four. It's called the crown of glory. It's found in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And it's for those who shepherd the flock. Now, you might think, who shepherds the flock? Huh? Who shepherds the flock? Uh, we, I, I'm actually a shepherd of the flock. But every believer helps shepherd one another and take care of one another. So you can get this crown as well. So the four crowns there are the crown of what? Crown of of joy, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, and the crown of glory. So, you want the, anybody want those rewards? Yeah. Anybody want treasure in heaven? Anybody want to rule with Jesus Christ? Okay, now let me give you this. So here we go. Key truths. Rewards deal with our Christian lives, not our salvation. You'll find people that will actually tell you that when you live right, you're rewarded by going to heaven. Now, rewards deal with our Christian lives, not with our salvation. Okay? Most got it? I'm watching. They're staying up there. So number two, God wants believers to seek rewards. You should run the race to what? To get the what? Get the prize. Run the race to get the prize. And say, Lord, I want to get it. I want to run. I want to be faithful. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to get the prize. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to use the gifts, talents, and abilities. That's what we want. The third one is faithful service for Jesus will result in rewards. Faithful service for Jesus will result in rewards. That's a powerful truth. Number four, every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ for accounting. Every one of us. Individually. Because he actually says, each one, that each one, not, not the group, each one will give an account of themselves. Wow. How many, how many of you feel like that's scary? <laughs> I'm holding my hand up. I mean, just, um, we know it's a rewarding, and we try to serve him, and we say, I want my life to count for you, and I want to serve him, and yet he's God and everything else, and, and we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded, and we want to hear him say what? Well done. Number five, rewards deal with crowns, treasure, and ruling with Christ. Crowns and treasure and ruling with Christ. So you've heard people talk about crowns. You've heard people talk about laying up treasure in heaven. Most people don't really hear people talking about ruling with Christ. But that's, that's really, I think, the key to the whole thing.